This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg On the bottom of page 369 It says in Tehillim that David called the Torah a song. So the Talmud says that because he referred to the Torah as a song, the Talmud in Saita says that he was punished, that he forgot a law, an open law, which even every five-year-old yeshiva boy, yeshiva cheder boy, knows this law from the Torah. What happened was when they returned the ark when they returned back the ark and they were bringing the ark wanted to bring it to Yerushalayim so by mistake David had the ark put it in a wagon and the wagon they drove the ark and then the ark almost fell down and Uzzah tried to hold the ark and he died and David left the ark there he didn't want to touch it afterwards he was very upset the sin was that David took the ark in, 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 in a wagon when the Torah says clearly the ark has to be carried. Because halacha, whenever the ark is transported, it has to be on the shoulders. Not by wagon. Not on a car. It has to be carried, physically carried. Four priests have to ca- carry it. You have, you have the bars on, both, on each side and each, each one, a koyan, carried. So how can David forget something that's so obvious it's in the Torah? But because he called, referred to the Torah as a song, so he was punished, that he forgot this halach. So firstly, why is that a terrible thing? In the Zohar, the Zohar refers to the Torah as a song, many times. It's a song of Hashem, it's a praise of Hashem. Why is that a negative thing? It's a wonderful thing. It's a good reason why David referred to the Torah as a song. And secondly, even if he was punished, why punish? With this? What's the connection between this law, forgetting how to carry the, you're not allowed to, you must carry the ark and not transport it in the other way. Why was that a punishment from calling the Torah song? What's the connection? So, so last uh, class, we learned the reason why David Amelech referred to the Torah as a song, because it says, it says, that the song... The Torah was a song when David was faced with, uh, with um, challenges and pain and travail. And David's whole life was constantly faced with enemies and, and trying to kill him and trying to harm him. And David had a very, very rough life. So he would console himself with the song of the Torah. This would cheer him up. This would give him strength. Why? How would I give him strength? Because David realized that what does the Torah teach us? When you study the Torah and you learn the Torah, what are you learning? 
what is the Torah teaching? The Torah is teaching. What the Torah is offering us, what the Torah is telling us is that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think has unbelievable implications. Everything we do matters. I, 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 the Koyan works with his right hand. It's a kosher sacrifice. He does the service with his left hand. It's not kosher. It's invalid. You do the mitzvah precisely, exactly the way it's spelled out in the oral Torah, in the code of Jewish law, exactly the way Hashem wants you to do the mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. It's holy. You've done something powerful, something incredible. You're off from one little detail. It's no longer a mitzvah. You have a navera, you have a sin, you didn't do the mitzvah. So the Torah offers us a life where everything is so meaningful. Everything is so pregnant with meaning. Everything is so real. Every moment, every thing that we do, every step of the way, everything. We can elevate all the worlds. We can downgrade all the worlds. Adam sin, simple thing. Hashem told him, eat, don't eat from the fruit. He ate from the fruit. Single-handedly with that one single act. Downgraded the whole universe. You do a mitzvah, single-handedly, you elevate the whole universe. You coronate Hashem as king of the universe and you elevate the whole universe. The whole, uni- the whole world is dependent on us, rides on us. Every single thing that we do, every detail. So what does the world offer a person? What's your alternative? The world says live for the moment, have fun, get a little, acquire a little fame, a little money, a little power, a little fun. And that's it. It's meaningless. You are meaningless. Your life is meaningless. You just be one out of seven billion. You're lost in the crowd. A generation from now, who even remembers the Bill Gates of a hundred years ago? Who cares? You're gone. It's all over. It's finished. We're one little speck in the universe. Look at how vast the universe is. Now we know billions, zillions of galaxies and stars. You can't even find planet Earth. Find a person on planet Earth. Who, who even notices? Who cares? Who knows? What difference does it make? So you are insignificant. Your life is insignificant. Everything that you do is insignificant. Just have fun as long as you spell my name right. If you get a little fame, you have a little fun. That's it. There's nothing that matters. There's no past. There's no future. There's no it means nothing. Total nihilism, meaninglessness, emptiness, chaos. Nothing means anything. Truth, facts. Don't bother me with who cares about truth, facts. It means nothing. Versus what does the Torah tell us? You are the center of the universe. You're literally at the center of the universe. You're in the driver's seat of the whole universe. Your consciousness, your decisions, your choices, your acts, the slightest act, the smallest detail, it's so meaningful, it's so real. You connect it to everything that happened in the past, everything that will happen in the future. This every moment is eternal, is real. It's all connected. You single-handedly elevate all the angels and all the universes and, and, and vice versa. So, if you have a choice, one approach to life or the Torah's approach to life, how could you even compare? So when King David was pursued <coughs> and he suffered and he had all these challenges, it, it's, what is the world offering me? What is this world offering me? And what is the Torah offering me? 
I learned the Torah, I learned the laws, I learned the details, I learned... The Torah is telling me that the smallest thing, it matters, it makes such a difference. It's, the Torah is, causes cause King David to sing. It's a sing, it's a praise, it's a song, it's exciting, it's real. Suddenly my life comes, it, it comes to life. Every day, every moment is meaningful, is real, is, is, is consequential. Is. So the Torah is where David Amela found comfort. Is what gave him strength in the face of all these horrors that he had to face. Yes, the world was, was attacking him and he had difficulties, but he had the Torah. So how could you compare what the Torah is offering us, the reality that the Torah is presenting us, versus the reality that the world is presenting us? So if I'm missing out on a little fame, and a little fun, a little this or that, but I have the Torah. This is life. This is real. I am real. Every moment, every action, everything I do is real. So this is what gave him tremendous strength. He wasn't demoralized. Otherwise, he could be very demoralizing. If all a person has is this world, and then the world comes crashing down on you. But Jews weren't jumping out the window during the Depression. We suffered a lot worse in the Depression. We had Holocaust and pogroms, and we never, it never crushed us. What gives a Jew the strength? Because of the Torah, we're people of the book. We know that life is real. So whatever the world, whatever we experience, it can't take away from us. That core and that essential knowledge that we have, we know with every fiber of our being and every bone in our body that we are real and we are consequential and life is real and life is consequential and my actions and my thoughts and my speech, every moment of my life, every day of my life, matters and makes a difference. You want to change the world, you change it starting one person at a time, one good deed at a time, one good positive speech at a time, one positive attitude. That's real. That's reality. Not hugging a tree and it's really making a, a real change, an inner change, doing a mitzvah, following the Torah, living according to Allah, according to Hashem's wish. Every the specific tiny details had so, it matters so much, it's so meaningful and real. So this is enough to make you sing. It's not a burden. Torah is not a burden, an obligation, uh, just rules, a set of rules and laws, which is very dry. To David HaMelech, Torah was a song, it was poetry. It was my life, it's poetry. You learn the Torah. You do, you do it properly, or you don't do it properly. And it makes all the difference. You do it properly, you change the whole world. You don't do it properly, you have nothing. The slightest detail could change, switch on and off, from one extreme to the other extreme. It really matters so much. This detail, that detail, yes. It makes all the difference in the world. So it's so consequential, it's so real. Every step of my life, every day of my life, every detail of my life is so meaningful and real and consequential. So it's, it's, it's po- poetic. David HaMelech was the poet. To him, the, so he, the, he sang the Torah. He sang the praises of the Torah. The Torah was a song to him. It uplifted him. It wasn't just dry laws and technical laws and mechanical laws and minyashay and getting lost in the details. David saw the poetry of the minyashay and the details. This is telling me that the tiniest detail matters so much. It's real. Something real is happening. It's not just 
we are literally at the center of the universe. Wow. It lifts up a person to the highest level. So the world has nothing on it. So even though David suffered so much, and David speaks for the Jewish people, the Jewish people suffered so much materially. But we never lost the poetry of the Torah. We soared. When a Jew studied Torah, you would soar. I'm beyond. The world can't touch me. What does the world have in me? I have the Torah. I have the Mishnayis. I have the Gemara. I have the Rishonim. I have Allah. I have the Torah. I have Hashem's will. I have... it's, it's the poetry of the Torah. It's so uplifting, inspiring. The message of the Torah that we have to get into all this miniature because the smallest detail really matters, really makes a difference. Wow. What an approach to life. The world doesn't offer anything like that. The world basically says that you're inconsequential. What difference is it? doesn't matter. You're nothing. Insignificant. And the Torah, yes, says we are so significant. We are right at the center of everything. Me, the individual. On a regular day, the smallest thing, the smallest movement, this way or that way. It's like life and death. It's like, it's like two opposite realities. It's all in my hands and my choice. Wow. So this is what consoled of it. This is what gave him the strength. This is what... That's where we left off. So now we understand why David referred to the Torah as a song, as poetry, as something inspiring. And this is what gave him the strength to face all these terrible, terrible uh, tragedies that he had to face. So why was he punished? <laughs> Sounds like a wonderful thing. Wow. Sounds like a good thing. Why was he punished? Where, where did he go wrong? That's where we left. That's where we were up to. The second part of the essay. Jeff, on the bottom of page 369, the second paragraph from the bottom. However, for extolling the Torah with this quality, saying, Your statutes were songs for me, he was punished. Hashem reproved him, you call them songs? Indeed, this quality of the Torah, that all the worlds are nothing that's compared to one detail of it, but of the hinder part, the externality of the profound, supernal thought. This is explained elsewhere in the name of the Arizal, on the teaching of our sages. Torah is merely a shade of supernal wisdom. However, the innermost core of the depth of supernal thought, which is the innermost core of the Torah, is utterly fused with the infinite Ein Sof light that is vested within the Torah in a perfect unity. Relative to the infinite one, all the worlds are as absolute naught, sheer nothingness, non-existent. For you were the same before the world was created, you were the same since the world has been created. Being of absolutely no account relative to Hashem, all the worlds affect no change in Him. So this aspect of the Torah that imbues our lives with such meaning and such significance, it's true, 100% true. But this is not what the Torah is about. You know, it's like, it's like the Talmud says, you're praising the king the king whose treasures full of gold and diamonds and rubies and you're praising him that he has a lot of silver a lot of copper it's an insult that's what you praise me yes by you copper is very precious because you don't even have a copper coin in your pocket the king has so much copper wow so 
is this what the king, that's what you're praising the king, his wealth. The king is, is kind of a copper, silver, gold, diamonds, rubies. What, what? So when you're praising the Torah, because the Torah imbues our life with so much meaning and purpose, and it shows us how our lives are so consequential, and the smallest detail matters and could lift up all the worlds or downgrade all the worlds and affects the whole universe and we are in the driver's seat and we are in the engine room and we are in the center of the universe. You're still within the frame of the universe, the frame of reference of the universe. But Hashem transcends the universe and the whole frame of reference of the universe. This is not what Hashem is about, that He creates universes. To Hashem, He can hardly even find it in Himself. The ability to create is insignificant in comparison to Hashem. So not only the world doesn't exist to Hashem, even the divine energy that creates the world, Hashem's ability to create, it's there, Hashem has it, but it's like in, meaningless, it's insignificant. That's not what Hashem is all about. Hashem completely transcends the world and the universe. And everything is reflected in the Torah. The Torah is a reflection of Hashem. It's like Hashem's garment that fits Hashem. The Torah captures Hashem. So not only does the Torah contain Hashem's ability to create the world, and therefore Hashem looked into the world and He created the Torah. The Torah is like a blueprint for reality, and everything that exists is found in the Torah and is illuminated by by the Torah. But the Torah captures the essence of Hashem, which transcends the universe, transcends the frame of reference, transcends the whole world. The world doesn't exist, Hashem. It's, it's about Hashem Himself. So the Torah is able to capture and contain and reflect everything of Hashem, including the essence of Hashem, which is totally beyond the world. So the Torah is not just there to make our lives meaningful, to give us meaning, and purpose. Of course, it's much more than just rules and laws. David sang. It was, it was poetry because he realized that Torah is not just rules and laws, cut and dry. Torah is technical, minyashe, details. Torah is, comes alive. Torah is, uh, helps us realize that we are at the center of the universe. And... But that's not, what the, that's not the essence of the Torah. That's the external part of it. The essence of the Torah is that the Torah reflects Hashem Himself. And to Hashem Himself, the whole universe doesn't exist. All there is is Hashem. All there is is Hashem. So the Torah is a reflection of Hashem Himself. So when a Jew studies Torah, ultimately, it's to connect with the essence of Hashem. The way Hashem is for Himself, by Himself, for Himself. A Jew studies Torah to become intimate with Hashem. The fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Hashem, once said, he says, when I study Lakutei Torah, behind closed doors, I can sense the essence of Hashem. He sees the essence of Hashem, he can sense the essence of Hashem. In other words, the ultimate purpose of Torah is not just for our sake, to perfect us, 
to help us realize how significant and how important and how meaningful every aspect of life is, and especially we, smallest detail matters, we matter. Uh, to live a meaningful life. That's the external part of Torah. The inner part of Torah is that we can connect and become intimate with the essence of Hashem. Where the world dissolves, the world doesn't, all that exists, all that is is Hashem Himself. And that's captured in the Torah. And that's the difference between the external part of the Torah and the internal part of the Torah. Hasidus and the revealed part of the Torah. But everybody connects in a different way. So why, why isn't this considered the way that David connected to the essence? Because someone like David, even in this time of stress, should have focused on the deeper, the core, the essence of what Torah is all about. And also, as we discussed last time, even the external part of the Torah, whose purpose is, halacha, the revealed part of the Torah, is to change the world and to affect the world and to... Ultimately, how does a Jew affect the whole world and change the whole world? It's only because... because essentially we're beyond the world. If, if, if what we were, it's not what we're all about to fix the world. Tikkun olam, that's our mission. That's what we have to do. But that's not what we're about. What are we about? Our marriage, our relationship, our intimacy with Hashem. As an end in itself. Because we have that intimacy and that relationship that completely transcends the world. And when husband and wife are together, the whole world dissolves. Nothing else exists, just, just the husband and wife. When a Jew and Hashem are one, and Yom Kippur, we lock the ni'ila, we lock the door, the fifth prayer, the world ceases to exist. All there is is Hashem and the Jew. It's the marriage, the yichud. Because the world dissolves, and every Shabbat, six days a week we're engaged in the world, and one day a week, we withdraw. Shabbat, we withdraw. That's what rest is. You withdraw, you, re- you rejuvenate, you replenish, you go back inwardly. We withdraw. The world ceases to exist for us. There's a $10 million stock deal. And, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not answering the phone. It's not relevant to me. Shabbat, stock market, nothing exists. You withdraw inward. It's us and Hashem. We're celebrating. And that's why we're able to do tikkun olam. That's why we're able to have an effect in the world. Because the, we're not defined by the world. Because our essence is completely transcendent. Because we're completely beyond this world. That's why, and that's the only reason why we're able to have such an inordinate amount of impact and effect on the world. Why were the Jews able to have such an unbelievable effect on the world? Monotheism, it's all from the Jewish people. The prophets, everything is permeated throughout all, all societies. Why? Why does a Jew, a tiny, tiny Jew, have, able to have the smallest of all nations able to have such an inordinate amount of impact on the whole world till today. All these values that we take for granted it all comes from the Jewish people. Precisely because that's not what the Jew is about. Yes, we have a mission to be a light unto the nation and to tikkun olam and to affect the world. 
But that's not what we're about. What are we about internally? We're about celebrating our marriage and our relationship to Hashem. The whole world is just a backdrop. But it's all about our marriage, our intimacy with Hashem, and nothing else exists. On Shabbat, the world doesn't exist for us. Yom Kippur, we lock the door, it's Hashem and the Jews alone. Simchas Torah, we're dancing with Hashem, with the Torah, the world doesn't exist. We're out in the streets dancing, the world doesn't exist. It's precisely because of that, that we're able to accomplish our mission, which is the external part of the Torah, to affect the world and change the world and transform the world. But only because we have a deeper definition that completely transcendent where the world doesn't exist. Otherwise, you couldn't change the world. If you are the olam, you can't change the olam. You can't do tikkun olam if you're part of the problem. If you're within the framework of the world, how can you change the world? Only the outsider can release, can unlock the door. It's precisely because the Jew is completely on the outside. The Jew is completely the odd nation. The Jew is completely doesn't fit in. Because we're completely transcendent. We we have a relationship with Hashem, an intimate relationship with a marriage to Hashem. It's unique and different than the chosen people. Precisely for that reason, that's why we're able to have such an inordinate amount of influence. So the two go hand in hand. So David, yes, David as a king, his purpose was he had to conquer the world and he had to change the world and he had to implement the halacha and the Torah. But the only way you can accomplish that mission is only if you focus on the core and the essence, it's, completely, it's not about the world. The world there doesn't exist. All that, all that is is Hashem and us, and, and nothing else exists. There's nothing. And the Torah, which reflects Hashem's essence. And that's the difference between the revealed part of the Torah and the Hasidus, the inner part of the Torah. The revealed part of the Torah gets into the, all the halacha and the details and the minyashay and all the details, which is really poetry because the Torah is telling you that everything you do matters. The slightest thing changes, affects, and transforms and changes. I mean, you, your life is so meaningful. I mean, the whole universe is hanging on, on every move of ours. All the infinite angels and all the upper realms and the higher levels of consciousness. Everything depends on us. A tiny little Jew on a Wednesday afternoon in August in the Upper East Side, he does this this way or that way and the whole world changes. It's real. If that, I mean, that, if that doesn't cause you to sing and to praise Hashem and to be, and if you don't realize the poetry of Yiddishkeit and the beauty of Yiddishkeit and the reality of Yiddishkeit, it's, so, it's uplifting, it's inspiring. It's not rules and laws and cut and dry and technical minyashay. Who's interested in technical minyashay unless you're a lawyer or you're no, this is life and death. The whole world depends on what I do and what I think. If I do the right thing, I say the right thing, I think the right thing. It's uplifting, it's inspiring. We're changing the world. We're affecting the whole world, the whole universe. But when could you accomplish that? Only when you study the inner part of the Torah. The inner part of the Torah talks directly about Hashem. It talks about the relationship of a Jew and Hashem. The marriage of a Jew and Hashem. Hashem the way Hashem is in Himself where the world doesn't even exist. So the whole focus is on the, on the inner part of the Torah, Hasidus, you're learning about Hashem, you're learning about godliness, you're, learning about, you're not focusing on, on the world, you're focusing on Hashem, about the infinite, and how Hashem is transcendent, and Hashem is for Himself. It's a whole different perspective, a whole different reality. It's, 
reality from the inside out, from Hashem's point of view, it's a whole different world, a whole different reality. There the world dissolves, and then there, there, over there there are no challenges. Over there, all there is is Hashem. There's nothing else. And you're celebrating that intimacy with Hashem, and the world just fades away. And that's what gives you the strength. Then when you study the revealed part of the Torah, and then when you do the Allah, and then you, and every detail, and you do it not just you do it well, you do it with a hidder mitzvah. You, every mitzvah that you do, you beautify it to the utmost degree. Everything you do, you do it with heart and soul. You do it on fire. and Then you're able to literally impact and change the world. So the fact that David focused just on the poetry of the Torah, on the song of the Torah, on the external part of the Torah, which is amazing and astounding and unbelievable, but he didn't focus on the inner part of the Torah. That's why he was punished. Someone like David should have connected and should have focused more on the inner part of the Torah and also in order for him to accomplish the external part of the Torah. The mission, which is our mission to change the world, it all has to begin and has to be founded on that part of the Torah which is not about fixing the world. It's just reflecting Hashem, connecting with Hashem, being intimate with Hashem. As the Rebbe says, he closes the door and he can sense the essence of Hashem. The door is locked. I'm not dealing with the world. The world ceases to exist for me. In the Ilah and Yom Kippur, we lock the doors. The gates are locked. The world ceases to exist. All there is is Hashem and the Jewish people alone. No one and nothing else exists. This is the foundation. This is the cornerstone. This is the underpinning. This is what gives us the strength for the rest of the year. And now we can go out and change the world. But that has to be the underpinning. That has to be the focus. That has to be the center. If you lose focus of that, even though it sounds very noble, I'm singing the praises of the Torah, it's poetry for me, but you're missing the point. It's just the external. It's a beautiful thing. The external is also beautiful. But you're missing the essence of what it's all about. This is a subject, uh, Hasidic, this idea is discussed many, many places in Hasidus. Alter Rebbe elsewhere, Samach Tzedek, the Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe Rashav, the previous Rebbe. Rebbe, it's, 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 it's very, it's a very powerful, uh, in these words, in other words, in many other words, but the, the theme is discussed at great length by all, almost all the Rebbe's great length, because this is a very fundamental approach and understanding. You're talking about David HaMelech. David HaMelech was punished. He forgot a halacha, which every five-year-old child knows. It's a big punishment. What was his sin? Because he called the Torah, he was punished because he called the Torah a song? Halavai, <laughs> we would feel that way. Right? We felt the Torah was a song and poetry and our soul soared with halacha. Most people don't learn halacha, they fall asleep. They're not, they're not singing and they're not, they don't feel the poetry. And, and David and Melech, all the details, the minyashay, this was, it caused the soul to soar. He saw the magnificence and the beauty and the incredible message of the Torah. You study all this halacha, what's the Torah telling you? How, how you matter and everything you do matter and the smallest thing. It's so incredible. It changes your life. 
and yet he was punished. It's considered a sin. Halavai, we should all have such sins. <laughs> that should be our worst sins. <laughs> but consider the sin. And that's what, that's what the Alter Rebbe is wrestling with to explain why. That's what he says. There's something far more, far deeper, much more core and essential aspect of the Torah, which is direct connection with Hashem. So yes, we have a mission to fix the world, but that's not how we define ourselves. That's what we're doing. That's my mission. I'm Hashem's ambassador. Right? That's what I have to do. But that's not what I'm about. What am I about on the inside? What am I celebrating? What's my core? What's my foundation? What am I all about? My self-definition? My relationship with Hashem, period. Nothing else matters. Nothing else exists. And that's the real reason the Jewish people survived for 3,800 years. When the whole world came down on us like a ton of bricks, when 99.9% of the world is opposed and attacking us and ridiculing, and where does the Jew get the strength to stand up to the whole world? Because we know what we have in the inside. I'm married to Hashem. So Plato is laughing. Aristotle is laughing. Is a Hitler? Is a Stalin? I know what I have in the inside. I'm married to Hashem. No one could touch us. The world doesn't exist. Nothing. It's not that I'm on top of the world. The world doesn't exist. We're married to Hashem. We're intimate with Hashem. No one could touch that. This is what gives us strength. This is how we ultimately we survive all the hardships. And the Jewish people suffered more than all the other nations combined. Because of what we have in the inside. But you always have to have your eye on the ball. You have to keep focused. It's so easy to get caught up in the externals. And the externals are wonderful. That's the problem. If the externals are narishkeiten, but the externals are amazing. But you get caught up in the externals. It's like the beautiful parable of Baal Shem Tev. Baal Shem Tev was extolling the virtues of the simple, simple yid. And he said these two, these king invites, Nobel Prize winner, the biggest genius, the Einstein of his generation, invites him to come for a personal audience with the king. First time he's visiting the royal palace, he's crossing the gardens, the gardens. I mean, the gardens of the king, it's like, it's like uh, the Versailles or in, in St. Petersburg. It's unbelievable gardens there so it takes him an hour just to cross the garden he stops at every tree he appreciates he knows the history he knows the story he's never seen these he's just he drinks it all in he's just overwhelmed it's so beautiful then he's then he gets close to the palace the architecture the attention to the details this time period that time period this world class architect this world class He's just taking it all in. Everything he studied in books is now alive in front of him. He's like appreciates every another hour just studying the. Then you go into the palace. Ha. The art hanging on the wall. The greatest artist. Artist so rare you never seen it. He knows the story and the history behind each piece of art. 
you don't just get to the king. There's chamber after chamber. And by the time he gets, <laughs> he missed his appointment. <laughs> and then you have the simple peasant who's invited to join the king. The peasant knows nothing about the botany, knows less about architecture, knows even less about art. <laughs> Takes him exactly 10 minutes to cross the garden, another 10 minutes <laughs> to get to the king. They announce him and he sits with the king for three hours. At the end of the day, who's ahead? The palace is just a projection of the king's majesty. Just a projection. What is it all about? The king. Everything else is just the grandeur and the projection of the king's majesty. and So the wise man, the chacham... What does he walk away with? He walks away with the grandeur and he walks away with the majesty and he walks away with the trappings. But he missed the point. <laughs> he missed the king. Missed his point. And the simple person went straight to the core. Straight to the essence. Sitting with the king. When you have the king, you have the palace and you have the majesty and you have the grandeur. And so precisely we're talking about getting lost in grandeur talking about getting lost in something lofty and something profound. David HaMelech was enraptured by the Torah. It's an incredible thing that he found the Torah. David HaMelech, who was, this, who was the um, sixth in line of transmitting the whole entire Torah, not only was he a king, he was the only king, and not only was he a king, he was the head of the Jewish Supreme Court. His whole life he spent studying Torah and all the details and halacha. To him it was poetry, it was song, it was... Alive, it kept him going, it gave him strength, which is lofty and beautiful and incredible. But he got caught in the trappings and the majesty. Hashem punished him because he lost sight of the core, the essence, the simple core and essence. That's not what the Torah is about. Yes, it's a part of the Torah, it's an aspect of the Torah, it's the external part of the Torah an expression of the Torah. But what is the essence of Torah? When a Jew studies Torah, I am intimate with Hashem, I am sitting with Hashem, I am one with Hashem, the world dissolves, nothing exists, all there is is the Jew and Hashem, and the Torah, there's nothing else. That's the essence. And that's expressed and revealed in the inner part of the Torah, the crown jewels of the Torah, in Hasidus. Because there it openly talks about godliness, it talks about Hashem. The external part of the Torah, the revealed part of the Torah, talks about the halacha and the minyasheh and the details and the technical and the mechanical and this world and all the mitzvot and how it applies in the physical, material world. But when you learn the crown jewels of the Torah, you're talking openly about Hashem. You're talking... So it's really about Hashem. It's not the infinite, it's about Hashem. And that's the real pleasure of Torah. The revealed part of Torah is a song, it's poetry. But the pleasure, the intimacy, the real excitement of studying Torah is that I'm one with Hashem. That's the essence. And we can never lose sight of, you know, you have to have your eye on the ball, you have to remember, always be focused on what's core and what's essential. And then the external comes with it. 
the projection, the majesty, that comes with it. But, but you always have to remember what's, what's the essence of it all. The inner. Pleasure is the inner. Which brings the will, which is the external. The projection of the inner. So you always have to focus on, on the point. And that's what Hasidus helps us do. Hasidus, any subject, anything it discusses, it gets to the core of the matter, the essence of the matter, the, the, the pleasure, the, the deepest, the intimate. What, what is it really all about? And then everything else follows. Everything else falls into place. Everything else is a reflection of that core and essence. So the part of the Torah that we hear to fix the world and change the world, that's a reflection of the essence which is our relationship with Hashem, our marriage to Hashem, and the fact that we're completely beyond this world. And that's the only reason and the only way we're able to have such an impact and effect in the world. Precisely because that's not what we're all about. If we're affected by the world in any way, shape, or form, then ultimately we can't completely, radically transform the world. So if the whole praise of the Torah is that the Torah is like the pinnacle and the Torah is the peak and the Torah makes existence meaningful and reaches the highest level possible of existence, then I'm still within the framework of existence. So I can't radically change and transform existence. I am part of existence. I can heighten it, I can, but I can't change it. A core transformation. It's precisely because I'm completely not defined by the Torah. By, by, by the world. I'm completely not, not defined by this world, by existence in this world. That's why I'm able to radically transform at a very core and a very essence, transform existence and make the world into a godly place. Reveal the essence of Hashem in this world, which is a radical transformation. How do you take this world, which is coarse, crass, materialistic, and this world is going to become a Torah world. This world is going to become the place where we have the greatest revelation, the most intense revelation of godliness, more intense revelation than in the upper realms and the highest realms and the highest spiritual world. How do we do that? Through Torah and mitzvot? We're going to we completely trans, make a core transformation that this world will be able to absorb and receive the most intense revelation of the essence of Hashem, of godliness. That's a total radical transformation. How is it possible that the world will remain a world the way it is without destroying the world? This is only possible because we're completely beyond this world. We're completely transcendent of this world, of existence, of ego, of I, of existence. We're one with Hashem and that's why we're able to completely transform the world. And that's the difference between the external part of the Torah and the inner part of the Torah. The external part of the Torah... In a way, you have to impose yourself on the world. As the Talmud says, many places, he wasn't happy with what he saw, he didn't think the world was living up to the Torah, he looked at that person and he reduced him to a heap of bones. He destroyed the world. <laughs> the Torah imposed itself on the world. This is emes, this is real, and if you don't live up to it, I'm going to destroy you. So it was a clash. You had the ideals of the Torah, which is so lofty and so... And then you had the reality of this world, which is very low and denigrated. 
And there was a clash, and Torah imposed itself on the world. If you don't follow the Torah, we're going to force it on you, we're going to discipline you, we're going to, if we have to, we're going to reduce you to a heap of bones. <laughs> in the olden days, and they, had this, uh, they put you in a, in a stockade. If you didn't follow the Torah, <laughs> they put you in a stockade outside the shul, and they would shame you, and you had no choice. They would beat you into submission until you did the right thing. There's no arguments, discussions. This is Emma's, this is the way it is, and, and this is it. So you had to force the Torah on the world. David, in a sense, also, he was a warrior. He had to fight the world and impose the Torah on the world. It was a clash. But how do you achieve a radical transformation that the world on its own, without destroying the world, will trans- be completely transformed until the world will become a Torah world, the world will become a place that can receive the most intense revelation of godliness, this is only through the essence of the Torah, the panimis atari, the crown jewels of the Torah. When a Jew is living in this world, but we're not about this world. That's not what we're about. That's not how we define ourselves. I'm in a place where the world doesn't even exist. I'm one with Hashem. I study Torah to connect. I'm one with Hashem. To Hashem, the world doesn't even exist. Hashem is so transcendent. And it's precisely because we're so transcendent that we can radically transform the world. It's like when you, when, you, when you have a certain concept of reality. You have a difficulty. Someone is trying to help you with a solution. So it depends. As long as you're still in the frame of reference, your old frame of reference, you can have a brilliant person who come up with a brilliant solution and this solution... But when you meet someone who's totally beyond your whole frame of reference, a genius that's so beyond, and he helps you look at things in a totally brand new way, completely a paradigm shift, completely takes you out of your whole mold of thinking and your whole way of looking at it. And then you radically transform and change your whole attitude, your whole approach. Because it's completely out of the box. So as long as we're in the box, you can have a change. But it's a clash, and you have to impose it. And you can't totally change. You can improve, you can elevate, you can but refine, but you're still stuck in the box. But to achieve the ultimate goal of the Torah, which is total transformation, radical transformation, without destroying, this, you have to completely step back. You know, who has the biggest influence on the person? It's you, the person who really couldn't care less what the other person thinks. Because he's so beyond, he has the biggest impact. If you're still in a place where you still care what the other person thinks and this and that, so, so okay, you have your opinion, I have my opinion, maybe you'll win, maybe I'll lose, I'll change a little, I'll fine-tune it a little. But the person who has the most influence and the greatest impact is someone who's like completely beyond the phrase, completely beyond. It's only because the Jew couldn't care less what the world thinks. We're so beyond this world that it really doesn't mean anything, it doesn't matter. Because we have Hashem and we're one with Hashem and nothing really matters. That's the only reality to us. Hashem Echad. There's only all, all that exists is Hashem. Nothing else really exists. It's precisely because we couldn't care less what the world was so beyond. 
That's why we have such an influence in the world. That's why we have such an impact in the world, such an inordinate amount of influence and impact in the world. But a Jew has to remember that. When we get so caught up in tikkun olam, we get so caught up in our mission, we get so caught up in our responsibilities, that we forget what the core is, what the essence. It's our relationship with Hashem, and there nothing else exists. All there is is Hashem, the Torah, the Jewish people. That's it. Coming from such a place, then we can truly, radically change, transform, and and elevate the world and bring the world to a place where the world will become a Torah world and the world will receive and absorb the most intense revelations of Hashem, the essence of Hashem. And that's why Hashem punished Davna because he focused on a very lofty, a very powerful, very special, but it's the external part of it, not the, the essence of it. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.